and divorce conversations where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our show. Today, we're going to talk about topic dating. Now, there's a lot to talk about here, but I'm going to concentrate today on just one piece, and that is how to date successfully. What do you need to know about yourself, and what do you need to know about the person you are dating if you want to make a determination whether this will be a good lifelong partner, marriage or otherwise? Now, as an attorney, one thing that never ceases to fascinate me would be the types of conversations I would get into with clients. Um, and one of them I would get into and, and the pattern that I would see was as follows. Um, you know, during my intake session with a client, I'll ask, um, how long you've been married? And what I usually follow up with also is, and how long were you dating prior to getting married? Now, you all might be surprised by this, or many might be. I used to be surprised when I started. And then eventually, perhaps because I just got more jaded, um, by the work I did, um, I guess not many things surprise me any longer. But one of the things that did surprise me for a while in the beginning was as follows. Many times what I would discover is that a couple dated longer than they were married uh, prior to getting divorced. So the conversation would basically sound like this. Okay, how long are you married? Uh, we're married for, or I was married for about three years. And how long were you married prior to getting, how long were you dating prior to getting married? Uh, we were dating for about eight years. Uh, I would then inevitably follow up with something like, so why did you decide to get married if uh, you were dating for eight, seven years? Sounded like uh, things were going all right. And I would get all kinds of what I thought were pretty pathetic or sad responses, such as, well, you know, it's been that long, you know, so I feel like I owe it to her. I owe it to him. Um, or, listen, we're already living together. We, you know, might as well, uh, you know, finish up the job and let's get married. What I wouldn't get a satisfactory answer at all to would be the question is, okay, let me get this straight. You dated for seven years. You're married for three. And now you want to get divorced. What changed? Uh, it seems like getting married might have been a bad idea. What was missing uh, from the picture you had of your partner that you only came to see now while you're married to conclude our relationship is irreconcilable or our relationship is not workable? What went wrong during the dating process? Now, obviously right now I'm bringing up more extreme examples, but I want, want you all to know that even, sadly to say, even in the, in the religious Orthodox Jewish world where people are under impression that there are such rules of regulation and oversight over the entire dating process, all the way until the chuppah, the, the actual, you know, standing under the canopy marriage ceremony. The reality is, is that the divorce rate is drastically catching up to the rates in the general population in the United States. Now, obviously, the rates are nowhere near what the rates are. I mean, last statistic I was checking, we were looking at uh, pushing 70% of newlyweds eventually get divorced. 70%, that is, to me, is just an astronomical number. And I'm not going to say that in the Orthodox Jewish world, the numbers are anywhere near that. However, what, what I will say is that the numbers are significantly above what they used to be. 
traditionally, and therefore a topic that I feel should be revisited now more and more is the topic of how do we date? What kind of due diligence do we do while we're dating? Now, to some people, my questions might seem right now pretty um, strange, but consider this. When you are choosing your university based on the degree you want to pursue, when you are choosing your career path based on your interests, and when you are choosing a employer based on the you know, field that you're uh, seeking to develop more expertise in, what kind of a decision process do you go through there? Is it by happenstance? Is it a choice that's driven by a um, a feel-good intuition? What kind of a processes and matrix matrix do we use to make a decision um, on that level? Now, I at least people that I deal with, and certainly professionals, um, I go through a pretty rigorous process in making a determination whether. A school is the right place for them. A vocational program is the right one for them. The employer is going to be the right fit for them. Um, people I talk to tend to go through a pretty rigorous process. And yet, if I pose a question, how do you know you're dating the right person? How do you know you're going to be marrying the right person? How do you know that the process that you're going through in your dating stage is the right process to go through? And unfortunately, very rarely have I received an answer that resembled anything of the level of due diligence that people have applied in their professional lives. Things tended to sound much more happenstance and it felt right. I figured I'm doing the right thing. I kind of assumed that this is how it works. But there, there was like a real absence of real thoughtfulness evaluation and uh, almost like I want to call it objective empirical evidence gathering to make a determination, is this the right person? And what I started realizing more and more, especially when, you know, they come to my office, it's basically emergency rump operation at that point. It's not like I'm getting them at an early stage. But what that emergency room helped me develop a broader perspective about is how people go about making their choices. And decisions are made as poorly as can be imagined especially considering the gravity of the decision. I mean, give me a break. You're dating somebody who you're potentially considering to marry, who you're potentially considering having a child with or children, and that is the extent of the process that one goes through that they can label due diligence was completed. Um, something about it was just off-putting for me. And um, as I often like to discuss in my podcast about you know, the, the work that I do that's kind of undergirded by the imago therapy techniques, um, I started realizing more and more that people who are dating, no matter how long they're dating or what dating stage they're in, or whether their dating is based on certain religious presuppositions or, or not, owe to themselves and owe to each other to have a date that is based on imago principles. A date that is going to include in it concepts like mirroring, concepts like validating. And the reason that I, I want to push forward this novel idea, especially for all the matchmakers out there, um, the reason I really want to push this idea is because people date and they spend time together, but they're not really getting to know each other. And sadly, it is only after the marriage begins and the married life takes on this aura or, uh, you know, certain like, uh, 
a weight hovering over the people um, that all of a sudden there's a, a sense of heaviness and seriousness and weightiness that they want to give to the relationship only to start discovering that they were not treating the relationship with uh, care and respect that the relationship deserved by doing the due diligence and getting to know better who am I and who is my partner. And comes and here's where an imago date, a concept I just came up with. One thing that could be very powerful about an imago date is that unlike other forms of dating where you can go and have fun and you can hang out together and you could generate all sorts of uh, good feel um, memories without actually getting to know what is our cap uh, um, compatibility is like. Because keep in mind, there's a difference between having temporary happiness in the moment and just being in a state of euphoria which is always temporary by definition. It's not something that's going to last for a long time. There's a difference between having that and having a real clear consciousness that I am dating a person who is a real match for me, somebody who's going to really bring out my strengths, somebody who's going to be there for me to cover my blind spots. That type of relationship um, evaluation requires a sitting down and creating a, a true safe space within which both partners could sit down and have a conversation that involves a certain degree of openness, a certain degree of transparency, and ultimately a certain degree of, of display to each other, the extent of capacity to actually show up for the other person. And that's something that people just don't gauge when they're dating. They're just, you know, people first go through their honeymoon stage where they just experience a certain, you know, uh, euphoria just from the relationship and from being, and it's all emotion-based, it's all driven by um, kind of emotional, fleeting, you know, non-objective cerebral evaluations. And once the relationship settles in, that's when the real test begins. And, you know, people like to loosely call, we're not compatible. Well, how did you not notice that when you were dating, right? It's such a, such a question just rolls off your tongue when you hear it, a divorcing couple state, we're not compatible. What happened to your compatibility? Do you know, you carry out of the backpack and you left it at home, uh, you know, the last time around. Something's missing in that conversation. I really believe that the part that's missing or uh, one of the key components is because during dating, you didn't really meet each other. I mean, let's come on, let's call it for what it is. There wasn't a true encounter. Uh, there wasn't a true meeting of the minds as to where are you really? Do you really have capacity to empathize? Empathize. Do you really have capacity to carry a conversation with me? And it's sad that people have to get married, have their parents spend tens, tens of thousands of dollars on weddings so that the couple could have an opportunity to discover that one of the partners lacks capacity to do something as basic as empathy or validation or to really, really let the other person feel that they can hold space for them. Something that is frankly foreign concept for many, many people. And therefore, I highly suggest that one one thing that should be begin to be pushed and people should really explore is going on an Imago date. You know what? If you're willing to jump out of a helicopter together and risk your lives and you're willing to ride roller coasters and go to shooting ranges and climb Mount Everest, whatever else people are willing to do for their dating experience, why not give the biggest gift of all to your relationship? And that is an opportunity to truly get to know each other. To truly see um, what is the pulse of the compatibility of our relationship.
Are we holding by cruise control? Are we holding by some sort of a default mode of operandi? Or is there actually real compatibility, real sense of companionship, camaraderie, a sense of, you know, this person I'm dating, they really hold space for me. They really get my world. They really, I see how much we really click and this person is going to be here for me through thick and thin and I could be there for them through thick and thin. That is a conversation that requires discovery and people won't discover that about each other unless they sit down and spend time and really engage in the Imago dialogue. Therefore, what do I suggest? What would this practically look like? Is you offer your partner, you know, Imago is, is a really, really thriving practice these days all over the United States and certainly all over the world at this point. I have colleagues all over the world who I'm in touch with. And what I would tell you is you can literally Google Imago, you know, let's say therapist near me. Um, you're going to attend a, a full day workshop that really could be a lot of fun, uh, although it can be intense just for full disclosure. And uh, the idea would be is that you set up an Imago day. You feel like the Imago person is somebody who's not accessible at your location, uh, you know, thanks to Zoom. Uh, you could reach pretty much anybody you want anywhere. If you, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So I would highly advise that you add to your, you know, book repertoire of, uh, of the different types of dates you've done to include an Imago date. And on that date is where the two people could sit down and have a genuine encounter of a conversation where they can explore intimate personal topics, share them, and more importantly, see how much is the person I'm dating, my partner, is able to, has capacity to understand me, to process me, and ultimately to empathize, validate, and hold space for me. Because that is the essential ingredient that we will all need to get through a storm, especially in a relationship. And every relationship faces a storm. And therefore, um, I highly encourage and advise that if you're in a, in a phase of dating right now in your life and you're seriously dating and you're thinking about moving into the next level, but you don't want to be one of those people who wakes up a couple of years being married after years and years of dating, only to discover that you're in an irreconcilable relationship. You don't know why. All you see is pain. All you see is suffering. And, you, and all you know is you need to now exit the relationship. A lot of that could really, really be avoided by having one or more Imago dates. So I encourage you to try. Good luck. Thank you for joining us today. For questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear more about, or to try our 24-week relationship challenge, email us at relationshipreimagined at gmail.com.